Miss Macintosh, my darling, chapter 49.3. Perhaps he was the center of the great storm blowing around him, through him, blowing through many apertures, blowing shadows on clouds and glass which shivered like the light, the night. He was surely flooded in his hold. His cargo was flooded. Cargoes of stained satins like the seas around him, clouded gauze, moons and suns like dinner plates lighted by candle flames shining on drowned mirrors. He had lost a sleeping passenger, a beautiful lady who had slept through the rising and the falling waves, sleeping until she was old, so old that none should recognize her, for few had ever seen her beautiful face, which was hidden among the shadows even like his face. He had lost flotillas of butterflies breaking from his back, but never before him, and chambered nautiluses singing in the tide, and seahorses who had ridden with him. He liked seahorses, because in that realm the father carried the young, swollen like the bean pod in a rain-flooded garden, and the mother was the father's seahorse. He had forgotten to batten his hatches before the coming storm. He had forgotten to shrive himself, had forgotten to close his ears, his eyes, his senses five, which now seemed fused as if they were more than five, all things being blurred. He had certainly forgotten to reef his sail, to drop anchor in a quiet bay beyond the storms of time. Water flowed through all his openings and over his tired sail, sail which he should have released if he had remembered, and so he would have righted himself, going against the storm, but now he was blown in all ways, and never would he find the covert side. There was no shore but that forever receding. What bays, what harbors had he made, and what dim coastlines by which he should be found, and what city was his? There was no leeward wind. The storm diminished, not when there came the calm. Perhaps it was the heart of the storm, and even as calm was the storm. He saw between the interstices of black wings the starlight trembling over him in many shrouded shapes, coming out of pearl-hung fog and mist like the dead who lived in that secret city, hidden in every city, and who came out only at night. They had lived but to die again as the dawn streaked the clouds with such pale rays that they might have been the light of a false dawn, or dawn so near the twilight that they were one. He was frightened by funeral steeple bells ringing just at that moment when he lived, perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the last time. Perhaps he had never lived before, lived only through his dying. He heard his living dirge. Surely some sound should be heard over the water, some sound as of a tolling bell. He heard earth mourning like a mournful bell, which should be heard from star to star. Great bells of silver, bells of gold, were falling upon the bell ringers now, for they were caught like babes among the ropes, even as the fisherman was caught in his net, his net going down, he being caught as if he were the great haddock of whom he had fished, and every bell was like a coffin swept by waves, for music's birth was music's death, dying as it was expressed, dying because it was ever approximate and not actual, and none should live to hear its com completion nor the last echo dying. So Mr. Spencer was frightened when he heard bells ringing as if all music, or almost all, should be heard at once, before it faded into that silence where nothing was, where it was not even his deluded memory bringing these mistaken impressions of life, that through which he had not lived. Where was that silence? A great city was enclosed inside a pebble. A trumpeteer was crying outside a small door, so Mr. Spencer heard. He was frightened by his own great shadow, or a shadow diminishing upon the waters and the clouds, Frightened by the long roar of ice under the burning stars, lakes of fire, time moving through timelessness, as timelessness and moved through time, rumbling plank bridges laid over nothingness or bridges swept by crescent waves, thin gossamer gleamings like lace gloves in the fog, thin traffic whistles scarcely heard or dolphins barking in lonely streets, sunken lighthouses with wavering arms of light, sudden flurries of sound, 
frightened that he had lived through all those forbidden moments he had tried to postpone, or almost all, all perhaps but one, one he might never know, and those experiences he had tried to evade by many turns, many twists, many winding roads, many corners, even his death which had been an artifice like his life, for there were no facts but groundless illusions in this many-shrouded fog, and the phantoms were the facts, the stones crumbling into clouds and the clouds into waters. Should a dead man see winged umbrellas moving through the fog? He swore that if he had been the creator and not the created, he would have gotten no further than flowers and beasts and birds, would have written music for the dolphins beyond the threshold of his hearing, would surely never have attained to man and man's consciousness or these divisions into life and death, and perhaps he had never done so. He would have closed all eyelids before the eyelids had opened, or left the eyes without lids, without fringes to shadow them. He might have attained to mother, but never to father in this world, and never to this criticism of life where he, where he saw the fireflies eaten by the birds. What world was this, he often asked, as if he looked through the skin of a many winding pearl enclosing him in all flames and shadows. He walked through a city where the waves arose, blurring a maze of angles, the waters rising to the doorsteps, above the doorsteps, so one must know his watermanship here in this watery world, and be his steersman through narrow channels or wide seas. He walked with the stilt birds, saw them like ladders reaching into clouds as the old lamplighter passed with his pilot flame, heard his footsteps breaking through floods of faded music, heard the whirlings of ghostly skirts upon a lonely shore. But it was all a persistent dream, this vanished life, and nothing was real to Mr. Spitzer with his dark cloak covering his eyes, not even his own consciousness where the dark waves whirled and the stars went out, not even his unconsciousness where no image could be defined so that he endured when he was gone as into another world. Yet where was that world? It was always this star which was that other world, this to which he had come or from which he had, had never departed. It seemed to Mr. Spitzer with the water rising to his eyes or a black sail shadowing his cheeks. This where he heard the old postman buzzing like a bubble bee dropping his message from star to star, as from the living to the dead or the dead to the living. Dropping those letters which were never written, never sent, never addressed to no name, signed by no name, and he had arrived in Cupid's mailbox. Ah, all beehive cities were flooded as were the sunken islands of this earth and coffins of flame and closing secret stars, bells of silver, bells of gold, and seas of ringing bells, bells of the sea ringing earth, bells ringing the bell ringers and lonely towers, crowns of ivory under the waves, crowns of silver where the waves leaped and roared like lions with golden wreathed mouths, crowns of gold, many-eyed wings of snow-white peacocks, clashing their windy tails with atonal music, and gardens of snow, gardens under the earth, comets crumbling like into fireflies and drowned gardens and lights on sunken porches, and swollen insect lights and sunken roads, honeycomb lights of skyscrapers bisected by drifting clouds and snow-crowned many-headed mountain tops, like sleeping kings and queens and drifting white umbrellas and black umbrellas, bellowing like church bells and life-sized chessmen, who had walked on squares of black and gold as if this life had been designed by reason and not by love, dead love, but who now walked through the thin angelic surf with snow-breasted seagulls towering, sleeping on their heads where the floods arose and even the thin lights of the clouded constellations, like pinheads holding the pincushion clouds, and the thin thread of starlight drifting from a needle's eye in the eyes of the drowned birds, immense as pools of starlight ruffled by wind and the cobwebbed, thin lights of the Pleiades flying like birds, now when icebergs of old dreams were melting, now when waters covered this earth from pole to hidden pole, this clouded earth, now when there were only these dim flames burning under the veiled waters of the dream, 
for the waters flooded all dead hearts, the desert places and the castles of dry bones, the black eunuch and the white, the white eunuch who became the father and the black eunuch who became the mother of himself, swollen like the full moon with many waters, the moon which was waterlogged, the black rooster and the white, the black coachman in his pearl-lined grave and the lady sleeping in her coach, where the waves of the sea glided over her in places where no man had ever been, Theroglio's where was no dreaming chic, and where great loves were lived without woman or man, and there was scarcely a visible reef or thinnest bridge of light above the waves. Perhaps there, ne there had never been, for one who escaped his love did not escape his death, his death was which was his love. And one who had resisted the star might not resist a snowflake, and one who had resisted the strongest lodestone or magnetic star might be drawn by the weakest as the star might be drawn by the moth with its feebly pulsing wings, or the moon by the wave, or Mr. Spitzer by the image of the dead, dead whom he had never known in life, and whom he would never know in death. Dead who were capable of greater virtuosity than his. Dead who were capable of loving, sobbing, sighing, crying. They cried like the children of the earth. Why was it said that God created us? We were created by the dragonfly dropping upon its silken cable line. We were created by the images of the uncreated creation. We were created by a falling star singing as it fell. We were created by a shadow moving where the shadow increased. Mr. Spitzer well remembered that once he, like an old shipwreck riding on the storm of this shipwrecked world, his mask broken, his shrouds torn by all the gales through which he had passed and by many mirroring storms, which might have been real and by many storms through which he had not passed, had only seemed to pass so that he was like a phantom, a mere phantom of himself, passing like a shadow blown by wind, and would not have been surprised to see himself in the fog, for he was aged by many moons, moons through which he had not lived, his chimneys crumbling and his forecastle missing, and his figurehead drowned and his sides caved in, his many battered stovepipes missing, his hull broken from fore to aft, and paying out more water than the seas contained, and grown over with such curious barnacles as built the reefs of heaven glimmering through the starlit rain, and draperies of feathery sea moss drifting around him like some old ship marooned in a watery grave. No watchman in his tower, and the seaweeds and the seashells upon the brim of his hat as if he, too, had been to holy lands, and was returning, for none returned from voyages he had taken, and none should live twice the same life, or even once this life. And perhaps he had never sailed, had only thought he sailed with the wind blowing through his shrouds, and all his larboard lights missing, and all his starboard lights broken. Perhaps washed up a shattered glass of lamps upon a distant shore, where the sheeted glowworm shone like a secondary firmament as black clouds rolled, by which it might be known that he had gone down, the water flooding all his decks and castles, and the water pouring from his hat brim as if he were a living fountain or a man made musical. No lights burning at the portholes of his eyes, no passenger aboard, no log of stars which would ever tell him the place of his sinking, had met one night with an old sailor reeling in the fog. Indeed, as so often happened when Mr. Spitzer was absent-minded, or when someone else did not see him, or his wavering shadow, which provided so great an obstacle, had nearly collided with this wayfarer shadowed by the fog. At least as it seemed now, even though Mr. Spitzer had heard an old foghorn blowing, as if to usher in by an auditory illusion the nightmare of this life, and whole cities of dubbities, like phantoms, blown upon the wind. Phantoms of leaves, phantoms of stars, suns, moons, phantom of phantoms. And this old sailor, probably having noticed the outline of Mr. Spitzer's dark cape softening the wind, or blowing it inside out so that the blackness was a whiteness or a mother of pearl buttons, or half-moons gleaming through the heaviness of a curdled fog, 
or phantoms of jewels sparking on his cuffs or fireflies sparking in his eyes. As shining pebbles rolled at his feet where the fog lifted and wisps and scarred and cities cried, cried with almost human cries, had told him above the, above the whistle of the singing wind or under the whistle of the singing wind, had told him singing like a singing cricket that a ship had gone down in a great storm far out at sea. The waves as tall as chimneys, that all the others had perished, that only he had survived and was washed up upon this pebbly shore where the glowworm's furry light was the only light which he might have mistaken for a star crawling along the earth and where no light gleaming far out at sea, and where was no light gleaming far out at sea. No eye in the flood, no iris of vision. And Mr. Spitzer had said, reeling between the storm and the storm is between his death and his death. Between the coming and the parting storm, which almost seemed like one long storm and greatest storm, and it was calm, between his death, which had been, and his death, which was yet to be, his death, which he remembered, and his death, which he would never, which he would forget, as he would forget even a cricket's chirrup in the winter grass, or a spot of bull's frog, frog's spotted cry, or a whisper under a stone. Congratulations, clear sir. But should I congratulate you, or should you congratulate me? Should we not be condoled for which of us lives? Should I not rather offer my condolences than my congratulations? I am that man who was always on his way to a wedding and came to a funeral, the funeral of himself and all dead days. I should congratulate you if the long journey were over. Are you the shadow and am I the light? Perhaps only one pale spot of light? Are you the light, Mr. Spitzer asked, and am I the shadow or are we both the shadows? For the shadow crossed Mr. Spitzer's face and blotted out his eyes even as he spoke, and his voice seemed to come from a longer and longer distance. Which of us is in eclipse? Is this the eternal eclipse, or is every eclipse temporal as I dreamed? He asked with a sonorous cry, which turned to a whisper, perhaps some time afterward. You drown in your own drowning, burn in your own burning, like that one spark which never will go out under, though under seas of darkness. Or say you survive the storm, dear sir, and are our lives cast away. You sink in the calm. Greatest shipwreck is this, Mr. Splitzer explained. To sink when there is no storm, for no sadder survivor may there be than this, dear sir, whom now you see, or whom I see. For by now he could scarcely see his dove-white hand in the fog of the milky stone upon his finger like a reefed moon or eye could scarcely see the long-haired star in the glowing water of the drifting canopy clouds with their fringes of golden lights. Certainly could not see the face of a stranger who had drifted past him. We both may be mistaken, Mr. Spitzer, whisperingly intoned as the clouds rustled over him, for he was mindful of many instances when he had been wrong, when he had carried on long musical dialogues where there was no one, or when his dialogue had degenerated into a monologue, which was equally dubious as if he himself was gone, if no spindle provided this web of his thought. It is possible that you were not there. I only thought I heard your music, departing music, and I am gone. The fog moved, or I was moved, or I stood still when you moved. It is possible, all too possible, that I am not here, neither there nor here. And often I have asked myself, if I am not on this side of life where I am, how shall I be on the other side of the watery abyss where I am not? And how shall I perceive there what was not perceived here? It is possible that we are illusions in the light-streaked fog. Better to have died when all other persons died than to be the one person living on, Mr. Spitzer had explained, perhaps talking only to himself. As sad as to be the one person dying when all others live and prosper and make love. Ah, but the ship of this world has gone down with all the seabirds screaming, 
and the roofs under the waves, and all hands lost, and all have gone down in this long night of love, which is this death, and none will survive. Not even you will survive, and I will not survive. I died yesterday, or day before yesterday, or day before some other yesterday. What's the liminal difference now, or if, if I die tomorrow? Perhaps by such uncertainties all live who live, and all die who die. What calendar keeps the sea of the months flowing into the months, Mr. Spitzer asked. Or are there only moments there? Or are there only years? Or is there only timelessness piling up like the snow pilings of waves of which none has ever seen the surface? Not even from the highest pinnacles does one see it. Upon what sundial under the sea are notched these hours of the light, which comes through wavering foam and many shadowed water? I speak of all the waters of this world, for I am drowned, my love. My love, I have gone down. My love, the cable line is broken, and I have lost my star, star which never was. My love, I have lost my prow, both fore and after gone. I have lost my figurehead who walks upon another shore with the curls of foam streaming in the wind, the starlight in her eyes. But she plows breast high through waves of moths. She lives, and I am dead. I live, and she is dead. For never could we coordinate this life with this death. There was always this discrepancy or an image running between even like the thought of the dead or the fused thought of the living and the dead like the sandpaper in the surf. He is one golden ball of flame. My sail drifts over the waves, Mr. Spitzer had mournfully whispered, perhaps, perhaps like some old magician whose sail had taken on a life and meaning of its own, for he could not control his thoughts. My face stares through waves of moonlight crossed by the nocturnal butterfly, and never will I see the dawn when the moon closes its eye and the stars go out. When did I see it but in a dream, this mistaken dream of life? What part had I in this creation? I had no part. But to have no part is to have a part. I belch smoke. I burn in my own burning like the star in its own light. I was a chimney. I was a fountain. Your sunlight is my moonlight, for the sunlight comes to me only through the temper of the moonlight. And I am like a woman in sente, an eye within an eye. The waves roll at my feet. The surf is like a wing. The next wave will take you as it took this watery world and all the sleepers in their beds locked in the arms of love. Ghostly love, dead love who cried, sighed, sobbed, whispered, whispered but a little while, whispered to the silent ear. Dan, listening heart, none shall know himself in the light of dawn streams like a silver river through a cloud, dark cloud, or like a river pouring from the mouth of the heavenly centaur. None shall know the cricket singing. Behold my hand as a starfish in a grave. I branch into many branches and give the only light, Mr. Spitzer whispered in the dove-pale grayness of the dove-pale sea, ringed by a ring of light, whispered perhaps only to himself or to a sea singing like a sea of crickets, a sea of crickets chirping, so also sang the cricket stars and glowing chimney clouds. There was surely more beautiful music than was ever played by a young musician or by an old musician, staggering and blind, plucking his strings with a starfish in the court of a dying emperor or some old queen hidden under a canopy in the pearl-colored light, striking Mr. Spitzer with the sad, weird, wild music of those strings, which, warped by the waves of the sea and many winds, were touched but once by the lover's love died, touched but once in life, touched but once in dying, perhaps not even once, touched like a barren woman by love, touched never to sing or sob again to the dead car, Music which should be like all that was solitary in life or death, all that was not mated, all that was not unique, lone, never to come again. Music which was to be like that love which was never to be repeated, or the face of love which was never to be seen again, or perhaps was seen not once, or that death which was never to be died twice, 
death to be died but once, once in this life. Music which was like the opening or closing of a door. Music flowing in two ways at once. Music never to be repeated and heard twice, though it went on and on when the musician was dead. Music never to be heard like the snowflake whispering on a wave. Music never to be heard like the water circling around the hoof of a horse. Music never to return when the music was no more, when the silence was complete. For out of the complete silence, no music ever grew. And there must be, be always a thread of music, even a faded thread of music running through silence and music was not to die from shore to shore. Music moving when it was not heard, a music moving but once in space and perhaps never returning. Surely never returning to its point of origin since the point of origin had moved. Music crying on all shores, music dying, music ebbing, music returning with such alterations that it might seem a different music to another consciousness or the same music. Music which was never heard by consciousness, music fading into silence which was heavy with all the music which had ever faded into silence where no music was. This was surely, though he had never intended it, for no one could have intended it, that approximate music which Mr. Spitzer tentatively wrote. And what was sadder is he asked them to be the unwilling composer of the music which could be heard but once, perhaps not even once, perhaps never by him, elegaic music coming when his heart should beat no more like an unsteady hammer hammering in his breast, a golden hammer hammering on glass until the glass should be as soft as a cloud, a cloud, cloud dissolving into slow ripples of rain, Music coming when music should not pulse through him in silence and be the rhythm of his salt blood. For who had composed his thoughts of the music dashing against an old lighthouse far out upon a finger of rock? And why should he hear this music when he was dead if he had not heard it when he was alive? This music wrote itself. It was written by the tide, washed out by the tide. Surely there was no more difficult music than this for which there were no notes. Why these notes? were like the spots which had flown off some old gambler's cards and circled the clouds and disappeared, circling never upon themselves, all being blotted out except for one spot, one spot of lighter darkness, which Mr. Spitzer stared because it stared at him like the moon staring at the moon where no moon was or ever would be, and yet it seemed he heard this music more than once, heard it twice as he receded or advanced heard this music of a ghostly world gathering music to itself, and so it frightened him like music washing upon all shores, and shore where he was not, music where no music was but his mistaken memory, memory returning not his music but the music of some other consciousness, just as he was frightened by the gossipings of whirling weathercocks and cloudless, windless days, days faintly gleaming as the day star through the sunlight of his dead dreams when the sky was streaked like the iris of some great eye watching him, I like a jewel where surely there was no eye for, of his omniscience. For his was but the finest splinter of partial vision, lighted by a partial thought, as seas of darkness rolled, so that he had learned to distrust himself. And whom could he trust?